You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1,224. So many, so many episodes, Rob. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And a few free episodes. I think we're up to um, the serial number of the USS... S... So, uh, USS... Shenzhou. From oh. Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> I would say we should do some kind of special, but you like to talk about the dis- Star Trek Discovery yeah, all the time anyway. I'm, I'm a disco so. person. <laughs> uh, and that'll be, I'm sure that'll be a cue for a David Bowie track at some stage. Oh, well, if I know you. <laughs> Thank you to Kick Like a Girl, who was yes. before us. I'm very much enjoying the AFLW at the moment, um, both on my television and I went down to the Witten to watch them a couple of weeks ago. So, I, who know nothing <laughs> of the entire um, sports and th- thing, um, ha- have they started at their, um, what do you call it, festival, rally? Yeah, so it's in the season right now. So okay. we're a couple of rounds in. Okay. All right. Who knew? I know. I reckon <laughs> you should. Well, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, oh, yeah, sports and in sci-fi. Yeah. Why not have both? Because I've seen Alita. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get on to we'll that. We'll get on to that. <laughs> our, our title today is Alotta Alita. Because we want to talk a lot about Alita Battle Angel or Battle I, Angel Alita. I pressed Rob. Way. I said I've got a lot to say. Yeah. Allow us the time. Our podcast title is The Kingdom of Pods. Now, I wanted to talk just a, well, a little bit of a, um, a veil marinus for uh, poor old opportunity. I'm not going to yeah. anthropomorphise the space probe. No, it is just <laughs> metal. But... All of that is heart. <laughs> we, we've probably heard a lot about this, um, the spirit and opportunity space probes, the the Mars exploration rover mission, mm. um, sort of coming to a uh, an end. Yes, there's a couple of reasons why it actually isn't. Oh. Yeah. Further um, opportunity. Yeah. Further <laughs> opportunity, yes. Um, intended, of course, to last just 90 Martian days, mm-hmm. this mission. Which is? Uh, not as, I think it's not as long as ours. Because um, they have long that's days, a good question. don't they? It might be no. actually longer. Oh, gosh. But it's not that long in. Um, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. In real terms. Yeah, give me the planet. <laughs> Command, Commander McHugh. <laughs> Pull up the planetary rotation of Mars. <laughs> oh, it's practically the same. Yeah. So 90 Mars days are about 24 hours. Mm. So yeah, not that's that, an Earth day. That's not that boring. <laughs> and, of course, um, the time that it takes the signal to get from Mars to Earth and back again. You and know, all it, that. It varies depending upon, I think, you know, it's like 19 minutes and then we can get closer. And yeah. So it's actually quite a complicated thing that they do to be able to drive Oh, absolutely. Over, over on oh, there. I think Wallowitz managed to stack it once in the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> I still I just don't get the Big Bang Theory. I did Google this just now and one of the – they've got some very good headlines. Foreign object on Mars spotted by Curiosity Rover is just a rock. Yes. 
<laughs> well, okay. So it was only meant to last 90 days and travel about 1,000 metres. Mm-hmm. It's 15 years later. Oh, I didn't realise it was that much. That's a very, very exceeded expectations and um, really expanded beyond the original mission parameters sort of scenario there. Mm. Um, we'd actually interview um, Steve Squires, the principal scientist upon that mission, many years ago, like many years ago back in the early 2000s. Uh, he actually moved on from this project to eventually become an aquanaut for a while. Oh, cool. So from, you know, from the stars to the ocean, back again anyway. Um, so, you know, not only did it exceed its uh, expected life expectancy by 60 times, <laughs> you know, uh, by the time it had finished, it had travelled 45 kilometres. Impressive, Ruva. Well, yes, this is the... Um, meant it also achieved the longest off-world distance for a, um, a rover, a rover, or mm. another planetary or other body. Um, I think the other the previous holder of the record was one of the Russian probes, Soviet probes, actually, Lunokhod 2 on, uh, on the moon, which only went like... You know, 39 kilometres, and it's a lot closer too. Uh, it's now, opportunities now resting in Perseverance Valley, which I think is kind of cool. They use a lot of these like, pronounced dead, all this stuff. I feel like a lot of people have really... Look, it's, um, uh, it's solar-powered, so what's happened is either it's developed some other fault or else the, uh, the panels are clogged with dust. Mm. Um, which has happened before with, with several of the rovers. A couple of times the, the dust has been cleared by subsequent dust storms. However, they're not going to be listening anymore. So no. what happens is... You know, and it didn't make a, a mysterious final no, call, did it? No. I mean, it's nice to think, but it didn't <laughs> it's, say... It's not AI, basically. My battery's dying and it's getting dark. <laughs> it's not AI. Uh, and look, um, I actually think I actually asked um, Steve Squires whether or not he thought that they should return it to Earth, and he mm. he just moved on. And he said, "Just well, you know, just um, build a monument to it or something like that, or mm. uh, when we get there someday." But um, there are other missions that are in progress right now with the Curiosity Mars rover. Yes, indeed. And also, there's a Mars orbiter which is um, taking pictures and has actually taken pictures of the rovers on Mars at various stages. And in fact, that's what I was saying. The mission can still go on because it can it can be a, uh, a calibration for um, a calibration mark for uh, orbiting spacecraft to look at. Mm. Um, someday, if we do go down and visit it when we land with humans or other rovers, they'll be able to do science. On, on, it, on its hull by checking uh, micrometeorite decay, um, corrosion from the Martian atmosphere. There's all sorts of little things that, okay. that, can, that can flow on, even from a, um, a dead probe yeah. that's sitting there. Uh, so, you know, but well done. I mean, that uh, its mission highlights included the initial 90-day 90, 90, um, mission. It's so weird to think that we're just, like, leaving our space garbage on other planets. Well, this is true. But like, they, just in the solar system, we're just littering it with dead, <laughs> dead. things. <laughs> well, it's better than littering it with live things and possibly screwing up future science if well, you're trying to detect... Um, I guess so. Uh, ...indigenous Martian organisms. It's just... It's interesting. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, this is how they all start, the sci-fi movies. Well, yeah, at this, at this moment they find that there was a cockroach that was inside. And, and it then it is going to grow to be AI and then it's going to come back. And in, in science fiction terms, the, the probe usually encounters a machine world, gets vastly upgraded and comes back loaded as for As a there. car. <laughs> 
Well, Tesla in this case it would be, wouldn't it? I guess. Close well, to yeah, solar powered. Um, but but you know, there's some other things like um, I wondered if because uh, <laughs> it's actually the Pathfinder probe, one of the earlier um, rovers, which uh, Mark Watney finds in um, the, oh, Martian. the Martian. Yeah, and uses that as a as a jury rig com system. It's such a good book and movie. But what in this context, because it's a battery issue, really, what he needs to do, or we think it's a battery issue, is um, make a uh, a potato battery for exactly from. Feces. <laughs> yeah, from potatoes and everything, you know, so you can attach that and, and boot the, this probe up too. Well, it'll be there <laughs> waiting for us whenever we... Yeah, when we get there. Return. Hmm. Actually, it's been honoured by uh, having an asteroid named after it. Oh. So this robot has an asteroid named after it called, not too surprisingly, 39382 Opportunity. Spirit, the, uh, mm. the other probe, also has a, a name, uh, an asteroid named after it. Poetic. Spirit... Um, uh, stopped operating in 2010. Spirit was a bit less prolific. Yeah, but still. But uh, impressive. Still yeah, impressive. If you think about not it. To, not to discredit Spirit. Not to take Spirit. away from it. No, not at all. Because if these probes come back in a Star Trek fashion one day, you really don't I want don't to want to have slighted it, so you're both equally commendable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. I mean, it's just amazing to me that they have machines on Mars that have done all, so much work. Um I think I'll play a track here, mm. actually, that will just help little commemorate the uh, the mission, the success, wildly successful mission. Uh, and this is actually from um, a documentary called Roving Mars, mm-hmm. and um, the indispensable Philip Glass oh. has done a little track here called Spirit and Opportunity. Tom Way and Danny Strong. We play Andrew and Jonathan on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Dude, what's the G stand for? I don't know. Geek, maybe it's stands for geek. No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Philip Glass there. A really short track for Philip Glass. Mm. They usually like run for about 15 minutes That's or quite nice. half an hour. Just a little bit of a riff there for our lost space probes. And there's so many of them out there now, yeah. you know, out there. Our space garbage. Mm. Actually, oh, it's all was, for um, the furthering of science, I guess. The thing it. I saw yesterday where they've just experimented firing a harpoon and net from the International Space Station mm. to grapple some uh, um, some experimentals like space junk. Oh. So we can actually start cleaning that up. Good. Might also be a good idea to clean the oceans up too. Well, I mean, I guess. Yeah, but, One. but you're obviously worried about that whole gravity scenario where you yes. get things uh, whipping about. And yeah, one small collision leading to another, to another, some sort of cascade effect. Exactly. Uh, all right. So in my day, we had television programs like Quark and Salvage One, where they were actually collecting space garbage, and of course Red <laughs> Dwarf cool. too. Like, yeah, space salvaging. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) All right, now, um, I have watched a Netflix television series. Oh, yes. Called Kingdom. Now, I want to talk about that in a minute. Um, But before I do that, I I wanted to play another space-related track. Mm -hmm. And this is called Jupiter. And it's from the... um, It's not from the... the, uh, the soundtrack of uh, The Wandering Earth. It's not from that. Remember we talked about that That's last right, week. That's last week, the yeah. Chinese sci-fi. But I, I just love the name of, the, <laughs> of the, 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 the person doing this one, Cask the Panda. 
<laughs> which is K-A-S-K, and um, from an album called Tiger Nought, which, of course, is, um, you know, Mandarin for a, a, a Chinese astronaut. Mm. So I just wanted to get back into space with um, Jupiter here. Another, another short track on Zero G today. Hi there, I'm Jen Saska. And I'm Sylvia Saska. And, and we're, we're the Twisted Twins, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple RFM. Did you love it? Was it good for you, too? Heck yeah. There you go. A very slow start to that one and um, a, a quiet one for a mighty Jupiter. But so it's don't me. adjust your dials. That was intentional. No, no, that was intentional. Very atmospheric start to that one, um, which is actually quite um, impressive in the film Wandering Earth. Mm. Um, that, that film, it's still stuck in my head from last week. That's always a good sign. Sometimes I feel like you... I experience things and then I kind of think I feel one way and then they kind of hang around in my mind and I have to yeah. reassess. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, um, I've watched a Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> Why film Netflix? Last week, I watched a Netflix series. Actually, I watched several because I'm still trying to catch up and there, there's been this big burst of, yeah. mega burst of things. Uh, finished watching The Punisher season two. Oh, yes. What was your no spoilers kind of idea on, on that as, well, as, 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 as a conclusion? As they say, no no bullet remained unexpended. Oh. <laughs> so it remained the fuzzy series with no violence whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, no. It was all good. It was all, you know, the Punisher having happy thoughts about his poor family. And, so oh, gosh. Just... and not living through trauma again. No, no, no trauma whatsoever. No blood, no death. <laughs> <laughs> Did they wrap that up as in anticipation of in, a probable in, cancellation? In more than, enough, more than enough body bags, yes. All right, excellent. Sorry, everyone's dead the end. Um Actually, more people live than I thought. Okay, would um, and uh, but certainly there was an incredible amount of mayhem in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a hats off to everybody in the Punisher world for actually managed to to pull this show off and, and survive it in terms of being mentally and spiritually intact Gosh. and physically as well. It would kind of really get you, wouldn't it? Mm. I saw that 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 that, that classic. Um, Punisher just that his battle bellow, you know, yeah. <laughs> tacka 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 tacka, and then the sound of just <laughs> arms being ripped off. Yeah. I didn't. I I don't know if I enjoyed it or not, but there is just something absolutely relentless about the character, <laughs> and um, in terms of those sorts of things, he actually seems to be the vigilante that Batman would like to be mm, <laughs> if he weren't so rich and pretty, and has so many moral scruples about. Killing people, which is does actually Batman have more? yeah, he does he doesn't yeah, he generally does. kill does. people in the modern world. He doesn't shoot them and stuff. Yeah, he accidentally, just, you know, sometimes <laughs> things happen. Yeah. Anyway, look, it was the second season, and we're probably not going to get a third season on Netflix. I would be surprised. So yeah. I'll be okay with that. Um, where they brought it to a, a natural conclusion, mm-hmm. I'm really puzzled to think how what they're going to do when all this um, reverts to Disney. Um, are they going to, like, commission new series, new seasons with these some of these same actors? I'd say not. I'd, I, my suspicion would be they'll probably redo stuff. You reckon? Yeah, maybe. Recast? Yeah. Uh, they could do. But some of the actors they've got, you know, are really quite... They might not put effort into it, though. They might leave it to the side. Yeah. 
Because there are other, you know, exactly. 10,000 other Marvel heroes they could go on They to. might want it. Like something like Spider-Man, I can see where they rehash a lot because it's popular. Hmm. But I reckon they might focus their energies elsewhere. Yeah, well, it might be the last we'll see. The, the Defenders, essentially. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it is because they're some great characters. But we still do have a third... Um, Season of Jessica Jones. Yeah, which I'm really looking forward to. I absolutely love Jessica Jones. Mm. More so David Tennant. That should drop next year, but he's dead. I know, but they can always do flashbacks and things and well, actually, it was make a, it happen. There was a ghost in season two. Yeah, exactly. So A ghost in the shell. Make it work. Now. Kingdom. Um, Kingdom. Yes, right. on Netflix. <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> okay, it's a South Korean television series. Yes, I didn't realise it was South Korean. I'm trying to... Do more Korean stuff. I should have watched this. What was the... It's written by uh, Kim Wan-hee, uh, who's known for police and medical procedurals in Ooh. television terms, but also a lot of uh, a lot of his shows are enthused with, uh, infused with uh, politics and corruption, studies of, of those elements in a society. Interesting. It's adapted from a webcomic series, which Kim... Um, authored and which was drawn by Yang Kuang Il called The Kingdom of the Gods. So this is an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's directed by Kim Song Hun, who did uh, The Tunnel in 2016. And I mentioned that particular. Oh. Um, no, it's not the other tunnel that you might be thinking of. Unless is it the French-English no, procedural? No. no. What is it? This is one where um, um, a guy survives for a time in a collapsed tunnel oh. that was shonkily built. Oh. So, you know, okay. there's these sorts of, um, again, political uh, and corruption sort of elements in that. I, I like the uh, connection there because, you know, we're talking about a zombie television series here. and uh, Is this a zombie television Kingdom series? Kingdom is a zombie what? show. What? Yes. It's presenting itself to me as a soft fantasy. Mm. But it's not. Mm. Oh, wait. Mysterious Plague. Yes. yes. That's the cover-up <laughs> word for zombie. He also did a, uh, the director, that is uh, Kim uh, Sung-hoon, also did a 2004 South Korean film which was based on an internet novel. Oh. Uh, uh, sort of a more... more of a romantic one in, in some respects. But uh, I mention that because there's another adaptation. So I think he was the go-to guy for um, this kind of thing. Uh, so that's that's about the actual show. And it's only six episodes. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. already been renewed for a second season. And I can see why it was only six episodes because it cost a bucket to make. Mm. It was like I think they went over budget and the episodes were running out. And I don't know if this is American or whatever, but it's $1.78 million per episode. So it was a exp- fairly expensive shoot in um, South Korean terms. This is Netflix's second South Korean original series. Um, it's set in Korea's medieval Hoson period. Um, the consequences of that are that it looks like any other um, South Korean period drama. Right. Um, with uh, a little bit more technology in the case of the fact that they've got matchlock muskets which is to say um, um, guns that can fire by the application of, uh, of a lit match. Right. A match cord, I should say, actually, which is a piece of string with some um, gunpowder impregnated in it, which you put into the firing pan and then it shoots. Oh, off. okay. So it's a, a sure. complicated procedure to fire mm. them. And if it's raining, you're in trouble, <laughs> unless you've got your match lock specially Yeah, don't they have like a backup weapon, like a oh, okay. well, stabby we'll, we'll weapon? get into that, a stabby weapon, yes. Um, period zombie movies. Mm. Uh, it's not. It's a trope. Yes. It's been for a while. Um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, uh, Victoria Undead, 
Um, there's one called Exhumed where they've got uh, an anthology and one of the free stories is set in feudal Japan. That's kind of cool. Uh, there are an infinite number of World War II zombie movies. Oh, yeah. Usually Nazi, Nazi zombies. zombies. They're always trying to get an edge, you know, so yeah. and it's either in World War II or frozen Nazi zombies waking up. You know, there's yeah. so much of them. A couple of Soviet ones too I, I, at one stage they brought in. Um, lots of ones in the American Civil War. Yes. Uh, Abraham Lincoln versus zombies. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he's done Slightly a lot. different. He's done a lot. What can't he do? Yeah. Assume after he knocked off one lot, he went on to the next, you know. <laughs> um, medieval period ones, uh, Night of the Dead. Mm. There's this rather tedious Welsh one set in Wales where they're sort of rambling along across a blasted landscape and there's zombies. Um, there's even an upcoming Zombies versus Gladiators. Oh, um, my God. God. Yeah. And, of course, that's just in the movie. There's many, many more. But that's just in the movies. Um, there's World War Z, which is Max Brooks's yes. 2006 yep. apocalyptic horror novel and, of course, the Zombie Survival Guide. Mm. But he also did uh, a spin-off of that, a graphic novel called The Zombie Survival Guide Reto- Recorded Attacks, oh. which did have historical um, zombie okay. outbreaks. The outcome of which in his terms in, in World War Z is that obviously these were dealt with yeah, because we'd be up to our next Well, that's yeah. it. Um, and assume, presumably um, Kingdom will end up happily with us victorious somehow. You would hope. You would hope. Because, okay, unless mobile phone affected people are more undead than I think they are, hmm. we aren't up to our neck in zombies now. So there's that. Now, this story tells is primarily told from one point of view, uh, partly at least, um, Crown Prince Yi Chang. Okay. And he's the, um, the current heir to the throne, to the kingdom, of the title, and um, the king is sick. He's uh, been kept close in the palace mm-hmm. for a while. <gasps> Is he sick with a mysterious plague? You don't have to give it away. Yeah, they call it smallpox. Mm. But actually hardly giving anything away at all because in the first five minutes of the series we we find out that the king has been infected by (gasps) the zombie plague. Interesting. I feel like a period zombie movie isn't just your normal go-to idea for like your second Netflix original. So in Korea, they must love zombie stuff and historical stuff. They love for historical Netflix stuff to be like this is what they want. You know that the the, um, the legendary South Korean um, soap opera genre. Mm. So many of those beloved are around like the world. Historical. A lot of them are interesting. Not all. But and absolutely addictive for people who who are into that genre. Yeah, uh, I'm not, but obviously a zombie one does attract my yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are elements of that sort of um, um, soap opera Dramatic. romantic sure. in this. Yeah, especially since um, there's a lot of, of politics and political conspiracy mm-hmm. and um, questioning of governance as well. Which you do get in South Korea, not so much in North Korea. <laughs> I'd imagine very little. Yes, uh, well, at least survivable anyway. But, you know, um, this is south of the border. Um, back then, of course, there is no 
um, north and south Korea. We're just really. one thing, right? And I don't know which kingdom it could be, or it could be all of Korea. Uh, <gasps> there are maps. I know so little about Korean history. Um, Generally, people in the West don't know a whole lot about Asian history in gen- That's overall. True. That's very you know. true. Um, they'd never even heard of the Battle of Red Cliff. Or, you yeah, know, just, until, the movies, until show the movies show them weird, shiny versions of these things that star Matt Damon and Tom Cruise and stuff. Which one was that? Oh, you mean this Last Samurai and um, the Great Wall? And the Great Wall, yeah. I don't know. The Great Wall was perfectly historically accurate with a Matt Damon in there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, the Crown Prince, Crown Prince Chang is played by Ju Ji Hoon, mm-hmm. who has one of those faces that you trust instantly. Oh, okay. Um, he's an actor who is also, and you will find this is coming out on DVD actually very soon in Australia, uh, along with The Gods, The Two Worlds, and its sequel. Big South Korean fantasy movie. Mm, and he does a lot of video game voice work. He does as Overwatch, well. Overwatch. As I said, Smash uh, Brothers. A, a, a guy with a face you automatically trust, hmm. which means I'm not entirely surprised that he was arrested along with 15 people <laughs> on suspicion of supplying ecstasy in 2009. So <laughs> what? That's <laughs> yeah, just you know his his other side anyway. But um, he plays a really nuanced character in this. The Crown Prince has a story arc to undergo in this mm-hmm. um, because he's the heir to the throne. Mm. Uh, but as usual in South Korean drama, there's going to be spoilers thrown in to try and stop him becoming heir. Yes, you know, and that's part of the conspiracy part Ooh. of the. Uh, and then the story. there's a zombie layer on top. Yes, quite literally uh, in, in this. Obviously, there's a zombie plague and we're in um, an apocalyptic scenario. Now, uh, he's also supported by a female physician, mm-hmm. um, um, Bi, who's played by Bae Doona, and she's a South Korean actress and photographer. She was in Sensei. She was, that's right. I um, recognise her. You did. Uh, she was also in Cloud Atlas. Oh, yes. And Jupiter Ascending. And the host. Uh, she was also in that uh, the tunnel movie we mentioned before. Oh, cool! And she was the archer, yeah, in um, uh, Bong Joon Ho's The Host, one of the finest um, monster movies of the two thousand to two thousand and ten so decade. Good. <laughs> it's so good, and I want to go and watch it again. Actually, now that I've said that, um, he's, they're also supported by uh, an actor called Kim Song Gyu, who is. Uh, playing a criminal, deserter, patriot, rebel, man of mysterious circumstances. <laughs> and uh, the personal guard for the Crown Prince, um, uh, Mu Young, played by Kim Sung-ho. Uh, some veteran actors in there, seen in a lot of South Korean television shows and movies and so on. And, and they're really good. They, they, um, they're all very believable as their characters, mm. whether it be no, um, potentially noble Crown Prince or scheming uh, magistrate who mm. suddenly finds things beyond his um, limitations as a as a corrupt official. Um, yeah, and the period setting works really well. Um, part of the idea of that is to make it harder for people to just shoot the zombies. Yeah. Uh, although those of you who survived the Battle of Yonkers in World War Z may 
actually have a, a bone to pick about uh, whether high tech helps you at all. Oh, it does. No, it is presenting itself like a zombie movie. There's a zombie in the poster on the thing. Yeah, I just couldn't yeah. tell. <laughs> They're not as lacking in tech as they might be. Um, they have swords. They have bows. Oh, good. They do have a stabby weapon. <laughs> they have lots of stabby weapons. They have pole weapons, oh. uh, spears and halberds. Um, they have the muskets, that I said. And, of course, the peasants have their agricultural tools too. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Don't underestimate the power of a pitchfork. No. There's a lot about the politics of the time involved in this, uh, interwoven throughout, which makes it uh, a match for any Western zombie series or movie with social commentary. Mm. Um, I was very much taken with the way they did that. Uh, and, of course, the court politics are woven through the idea of maintaining the dynasty. Yeah, sure. So that obviously will have an impact upon it. There's an arc for all the nobles and the common folk, the surviving one at least ones, I should say one, there's more than one survivor of this. <laughs> and it's a running battle too across the country. Yeah, right. Uh, and that's um, really quite fascinating. And my God, the tension in this, uh, at one stage there's a group of them trying to get to a gate uh, in a uh, fortified village or, or some um, staging post and I felt my, my heart pounding as oh, they're trying to do that. Okay. Uh, there's a bit of a potential romance. I haven't quite got to that bit yet. Um would you recommend it? Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed this. Okay. It felt different. Uh, it felt classy. Um, there, it's even played for laughs in some places. Yeah, right. But very sparingly. Um, there's one stage where there's a, a couple of characters in prison. Uh, okay. And the zombie apocalypse is raging outside. And suddenly being in a, a, locked up in a cell becomes the place Protection. to be. Except you do not want to be... Um, locked up in a, a, a particular form of um, punishment was they have a, a large plank. Mm-hmm. The plank has two holes in it. Mm. It's split and can be locked. Mm-hmm. So they put you and your fellow criminal in this plank with your heads through it, oh. stuck together. What if one of those people gets turned into I'd a zombie? i pass on that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually quite amusing but terrifying at the same time. And they do use a POV camera shot to oh, show you the okay. poor guy who's stuck with this zombie at the end of the plank. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably not as funny as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, not at all. <laughs> so please uh, check out uh, if you're a zombie buff. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily a fantasy uh, buff, but if you happen to like Korean soaps, uh, this one might actually cure you of that. <laughs> I really like when they do like a bit of a twist on the zombie thing, like Brain Dead, that political yeah. zombie thing we saw. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I dig it. I might check it out. Yeah. We, we mean the, uh, again, the Netflix series or Stan? That was on Stan, on yeah. Stan series about Washington with yes. um, monsters in the brains. So good. Not Peter Jackson's. Not Peter Jackson's gross out horror film of yeah. the circa. 80s or 90s or whatever Which is still a great Absolutely, but very different. Hmm. All right, and that's on Netflix for six episodes, and there will be a second season, but not for a while yet. All right, so to uh, to riff off that, um, I actually did find a track called Korean Zombie Movie, but it was jazz, and it didn't quite go where I wanted it to. (laughs) Jazz rarely does. Yeah. Uh, So instead, I'm going to play another track from um, Kate Miller Heideke, whose track Zero Gravity is the Australian entry in Eurovision, uh, and a jolly good... track it is of course with full support from zero g uh but she's got this other one called the last day on earth cool so i thought apocalypse here we go with kate miller heideke
how long have we been receiving these mysterious signals from outer space? People of Earth, attention. This is a voice speaking to you from thousands of miles beyond your planet. Hi, I'm Steve Squires. I worked on the Mars Exploration Rovers, Voyager, Magellan, and Cassini space missions, and I wrote the book Roving Mars. So if anyone should understand Zero-G, you'd think it would be me. Nah, sorry. Zero-G, science fiction and fantasy radio on 3 FM. Yes, that was, of course, Steve Squires. And before that, we played a track from Kate Miller, Hyde Key. I should look up how to say that properly. Last Day on Earth? Last Mm. Day on Earth. Yes. Yes. And this is Zero G on Triple R. Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And we've just been talking about the wonderful, (laughs) full of wonders. Yes. Monstrosities and horror. Kingdom. A zombie television series. Love it. Now, uh, are we in a zombie mode now? No, not really. I'm just We're thinking in about futuristic, futuristic mode? cyberpunk mode. Oh, it's go. not cyberpunk. <laughs> I don't think it's cyberpunk. Just because there's like... There's cyborgs. I guess it is cyberpunk. There's one, there's a couple that look like punks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have so much to say on this film. Alita. Battle, Battle Angel. Angel. How do you want to say it? I mean, I keep getting confused with like Battle Angel Alita. I think we can just say Alita. All right. Uh, well, they've called it a cyberpunk action film in of Wikipedia, so did. that must be right. Because they want to attract <laughs> people to it. It's it's based on uh, Yukito Kishiro's manga series Gunnama, also known as Battle Angel Elita. Yes. Uh, literally, Gun Dream is what the original was. Uh, although guns don't actually feature a lot in this one. Well, like arm things with that shoot stuff does. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's a projectile weapon or something? Uh, okay, now that was originally a, uh, a manga series in 1919 to 1995, uh, at least in part of its iteration, so a lot of volumes in that. Yes. Um, there are... Love a good long manga. Yeah, very, very long. Um, and also, and of course you can get those from um, um, Manga Entertainment here on DVD because I've seen them around. Mad Men. Yep. Um, there's also uh, a video game. Oh, there was there were some gamey elements in this film. I can see why it oh, lends yes. itself to that. There was a two-episode OVA in uh, 1993, so okay. that's also available. So that's really the first anime kind of um, thing that's uh, based on it. This film is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yes, and produced by James Cameron, Robert Rodriguez and John Landau. Mm. So and when writ- I written by James Cameron too, exactly. Partly. I think it's his passion project, but I don't. Oh. He didn't have the time to direct it, from what I understand, because he's focusing on the Avatar sequels. No one asked for. Robert Rodriguez, of course, is our Spy Kids series guy, mm-hmm. our Machete series guy. Machete, Machete kills in space. <laughs> <laughs> from dusk till dawn, Sin City, and Planet Terror. Yes. So many other things too, of course. But I was just thinking about our particular genre. I uh, always think of Sin City when I think of him. Hmm. Uh, this film is written by James Cameron, who's done everything science fiction. Well, and this is, but this is what boggles me about Avatar as his big, you know, mm-hmm. sort of predecessor to this, we could say, ish. Like it's in the same bucket. Yeah, but not the same universe. No. I don't know anyone who likes Avatar, has watched it more than once or can tell me what the plot is, and yet it's still one of the highest grossing movies 
How? But you know me. Do you like Avatar? I love Avatar. Really? Really. Um, I've not ever talked about this. I've watched it in 3D. Interesting. Uh, and at IMAX in 3D. Um, I love it in 3D. It is... Uh, it pushed the envelope so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is a very tropic film. Yeah. Uh, but I think it, it earned its spurs there. There are some dud moments in the film, but, you know, and it does push that whole uh, white saviour, earth man. I, I do remember that. Um, but just for the achievement of the way the film looks and, and, and flows through... Also, uh, I copped a lot of flack for its political stance. You know, oh, yes, yeah. we've got these... Um, you know, like as if Earth would go and uh, mine a planet naked in order to fuel its own. Yeah, well, exactly. Of course we would. And, we do it to our own bloody planet. And 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 not not a week later, after that film came out, mm. I was reading about um, uh, mine guards in Papua New, Papua New Guinea working with the government to suppress villages. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's real, that yeah. sort of stuff. Even Sorry, but I, di- I divert but us every, from our point. Everybody brings their own luggage to these things. But for me, I was I was confused at first as to how they got so many eighth-grade actors in this because I hadn't heard much about it. And then yeah. I think, obviously, it's the attachment of James Cameron of and course. Rodriguez when and he, stuff. When they ring. Exactly, you people know. People go, yeah. Uh, also written by, uh, apart from James Cameron, uh, Laeta Kellogridis, who's a Greek-American scriptwriter and film producer, and she's worked on um, Alexander, Pathfinder, Shutter Island, and has been an, an exec producer for Birds of Prey and Bionic Woman. <laughs> and this is not a great uh, credit, but she co-wrote the screenplay for Terminator Genesis. Yeah. But this is a great um, credit. She was the creator and executive producer of Altered Carbon. Oh. Um, which is a, a, an excellent it's on um, Netflix television the series. Yeah. Well, this was announced in 2003. Mm. So we got our manga in uh, the 1990s. Around the time the opportunity was first on Mars. Good pick. Good pick. Uh, and then um, originally they set this out in 2003 and it's been sort of on again, off again, um, delayed by Cameron's involvement with other things. Uh, it's been in development hell you, for a long time. You do need the effects for this and that is something I will say is I was impressed by the special effects. I saw it in 3D. Yeah, so I saw 2D and you saw 3D. What was your experience? Okay. Uh, in terms of, of that, I thought um, there's lots of come and at you scenes, mm, as mm. you can imagine just from thinking back to the scene. Even lots of kicking, things kicking at you or yep. things flying at you, for sure. A lot of that. Um, elements floating in the sky look terrific in yep, 3D. Yeah, sure. Um, the game that they play in this motorball looks pretty good in 3D too. Yeah. Because there's, there's things, again, coming Zippy at you. looks pretty cool. I thought that was handled quite well. It didn't make me feel seasick. There's some flat bits, quite literally actually, where the depth of plane that you sometimes really enjoy in mm. uh, 3D doesn't pop as much as it might. On the other hand, there's quite a few shots in this where they look down city streets. Okay. And those long shots really, they give you that... I was going to say, I think a lot of those kind of market square areas would be great if they were handled well in the 3D to kind of get that. Because I will say, just as my, I probably my log line for this whole review is, it was not as bad as what I was anticipating. <laughs> it's uh, 3D often um, uh, muddies things up and makes it darker. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel it was any darker than it needed to 
than, than it was supposed to be. I could be wrong there because I can't compare it because I haven't seen it in 2D. Mm, mm. Uh, and the fast motion fl- um, fights, which is often a problem with 3D, mostly um, they worked. There was a little bit of blur where, where okay. I felt they shouldn't have done. So I actually th- felt like I got my $18 worth of... Uh, oh, yeah. it's quite cheap, really. Well, yeah. Look, I mean, you know... Um, I'm not advertising it or anything, or avatarizing it, but um, I saw it at the Village, and then tickets for this were eighteen dollars. Okay. I mean, I had my own glasses, but you know, because like Iron Man, Iron oh, Man. Oh yeah, glasses, well, because yeah, yeah it, as a glasses wearer, it can be hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have that problem sometimes. It's but. very. As someone who saw it in two D, I will say the battle scenes were good. Like all the fight scenes looked quite good. I didn't really feel at any point I would have liked to see it in 3D. You know, sometimes films stick out. There'll be something you go, oh, that would be pretty cool to see that in 3D. Hmm. I don't have that thought often, but sometimes. Um, So it looked pretty good in 2D as well. Yeah. Okay. The plot, uh, it's basically set um, hundreds of years in the future. Mm. Um, and Like six... Hundred years. Oh, there's a. I think six hundred. So there's like yeah. three hundred. Then there's a great fall. Then there's three hundred. Yeah. Another three hundred years. Yeah. Um, there was a, a, a war between Earth and its um, uh, solar system colonies, mm. or at least Mars. <laughs> yeah. They're obviously, spirit and opportunity that took over Mars. It's and probably that probe thing has grown into its own life and yeah. then we end up here yeah but here we are in the future um there's two two places in this story basically there is the uh what's it called the iron city mm. which is um, on the ground underneath quite literally underneath the garbage hatches yes of a, of, of a floating city i mean generally the plot is pinocchio except pinocchio is a kick-ass battle weapon mm. that's basically your vibe to unpack that a little bit more before we get on to the rest of the movie, the um, uh, they've been gar- they they dump garbage from this city, from the, the sky city onto the groundlings underneath, mm-hmm. and it's high tech garbage, and it's picked over by scrap merchants and um, cyberpunk surgeons who are looking for components and stuff. And one of those surgeons finds the components of Alita, yes, uh, which he names, and um, thereby hangs the tail. What sort of cyborg is this going to be in this film? Now, it's 2563, by the way, that it's set in. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was right. Hmm. Now, okay, Rose Salazar plays Alita, or at least does the motion capture or <laughs> We need to talk voice. about the her we as an object in the film. But, yes, Rosa Salazar is Alita. We've seen her before, actually seen her in American Horror Story uh, and in those other great teen dystopias, the Divergent series and also Maze Runner. And she was also in The Bird Box. Oh, Mm. Bird Box, just Bird bird Box. box. I know, but I was saying (laughs) The Bird Box. She was in The Bird Box too, literally at one stage, I'm sure. Um, She is heavily, I think she's all CG essentially. Yeah, I mean, I guess let's get into this now. How is your? What did you think about the decision to make her look the way she looks? Okay, this is the first of the tropes. This is a very tropical film, the first of the science fiction tropes. Now, there's a thing about this film. It's based upon a 1990s property. Mm. How far do we, we do we give them slack for that? Because they're going to be using the tropes that are now very cliched. But you can do old tropes well, mm. for sure. And Are you talking about her, her enlarged eyes? Yeah. I mean, and there was a lot of discussion about that when the trailers first came out, much like there's talk about Blue Genie. Yeah. Um, bla- Blue ba- Genie? Oh, and Aladdin. Aladdin, yeah. 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 
But I felt I would have enjoyed the film a lot more if she had looked like a person, Mm. just the way everyone else looked like a person. Because that's a decision that they made for this film is to make her look that way because she doesn't look different in the manga. Like they all look look like manga, which is what she looks like, but other people in this film look like humans. Yeah, except for the ones who are like cyborgs and they've only got like the human face on them. Yeah, they have a human face. They don't have an anime face. Which, by the way, is a magnificent progression from... um, the Spielberg movie AI, where they did a bit of that. Some of the, the cyborg stuff was absolutely haunting to me, like, you know, kind of this idea of jacking cyborgs and all that uh, stuff. And stealing their parts. And yeah. what you would be if you were just a floating brain. Anyway, I thought that stuff was a little creepy. Look, the uncanny valley um, would have existed more if her eyes had been normal. But why think? not just make her look like a person? Because I think that's where the uncanny valley would have kicked in. We, well, why we not, like, that, have her be a human actor with cyborg, like the others? Oh, like um, Scarlett Johansson in uh, Ghost in the Shell? Well, no, more like the other humans in this, hmm. like a head of a human. With the bits. With the body of yeah. the, the cyborg. Because I just, you can't have a romance between they're a trying, human and a... I feel like they're trying to, to give us the spirit of the original source Anna. material. Yeah, I, and, I think that's what they're trying to do. And there might have been a kickback against it if they'd changed the eyes. But it was never really part of her character, though. Like, they all looked like that in the manga. It did help her stand out. So I knew knew who I was looking at all the time, so... I don't know. I didn't... It didn't... Did you mind it? It bothered me, It bothered you? It did. I I can't say that it worried me much after the first ten minutes or so. I mean, I was more worried by the fact they kicked off a love story when she, like, essentially first had the body of a child and then... Yeah, that was uneasy. The body... It was, wasn't it? I'm glad glad it wasn't just me. Anyway, it did bother me, but I don't want to press on that too much. So let's let's move on. The trope, the cliche of the little girl, young woman who can rip your arm off and beat you to death with a wet end. Mm. Uh, Fully (laughs) realised... Fully realised across all the media since 1990 and before. Buffy, River, mm. Tomorrowland, Hana, Dark Angel, Ghost in the Sh- You know... She doesn't have the sass quota of those, some of those. Though, some of I those, will say. No, that no. fell flat. But it's definitely a, you know, kick-ass, kick-ass, whatever. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. It's definitely a, a, a cliche now. Mm. Um, so that bugged me a little bit. Um, but I know it was... Back then, so that kind of... See, that didn't bug me as much. Like, I, th- I think it's interesting we kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have, you know, like we were saying, the world building of the cyborg part, I thought was quite done quite well. They have bounty hunters I and... I do tend to agree. I actually think what kind of warmed me to it a bit more than what I'd expected is the world building was, world building was quite good at the start. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I think there's a lot of really wonderful actors in this. Yeah, I mean, like, you've got... Um, uh, Christoph Waltz. Straight up is playing this great, like... Um, a surgeon, a cyber surgeon. Yeah, this kind of... Um, he plays... He has a dark secret, but he's generally a good guy. He plays doctors and surgeons and Nazis and evil but people. You know, he's... he's, he's I think it was nice to see him play someone not... Yeah. I mean, he was he was nice in Django Unchained, but mm. I, I, I love him. I will watch him in anything. Mm. And Jennifer Connelly... Um, Shirin. It was nice to see her again. Yeah. Uh, she plays the wife, ex-wife of the mm-hmm. of um, the Christoph Waltz character, Labyrinth, Rocketeer, Dark City, Hulk. <laughs> she actually has a, a thing in movies where she used to be picking the um, the mad scientist, basically character. Well, I think she they seem she seemed to have fun with this role. Like, she did. Yeah. She reminded me a little bit of Rachel from Blade Runner. 
Oh, yeah. Just a few yeah, that vibe. She's the very, like, yeah. There's a, a whole bunch of other people in here. We've got the guy who, uh, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, Haley Rorschach, Rorschach from The Watchmen. I will uh, say they. I think they brutally underused Mahershala Ali, who is um, plays Vector. Oh, he was Cottonmouth, wasn't he, in uh, Luke Cage? And he, yeah, and he just. I think he's a wonderful actor, and I think they get away with it because he has such great presence. He didn't even get to do the song. He doesn't have much to do in this, really. He didn't even get to sing the song. You know. <laughs> Uh, and um, we've got a Game of Thrones guy in there, Ed Scrain, playing uh, Japan. Um, he was a bounty hunter in this. He's from um, somebody called Dario Naharis in the third season of Game of Thrones. Oh. Uh, and he was also Ajax in Deadpool. Yeah, I recognised his face, but I couldn't place it. Mm. And another person we've seen recently, uh, Jorg uh, Lenderborg Jr., playing um, one of the friends of the uh, the romantic lead in this, or the male romantic lead. He was in uh, Transformers in the spin-off where he played the geek um, Mimo mm. in that one. So there's quite a few people in here we've seen a lot of before. I think Michelle Rodriguez even pops up. As a, There's uh, also a little uncredited cameo from Jay Courtney. Jai? Uh, Jay? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And Ed Norton. Yes, I was going to say, are we going to say that? But mm. we did. So yeah. I was very pleased by that because I just have this ongoing love for Ed Norton, okay. which is I can't explain because, you know, he's not so my type. This very tropical movie, and I think actually most of the acting works quite well in this, very tropical movie, uh, and that whole uppers and lowers and Sky City thing, I'm a bit bored with I that. was totally bored by that. I was more interested in the motorball, but then I was like, is this a movie about motorball or is it a movie about, like, what's this about? I think it's two movies that they've smooshed into one, and I think they did squish four of the mangas into one movie. I thought that the motorball thing sat very, very oddly in the film. Yes. Um, and obviously, you know, all the other sports sci-fi movies, uh, Robo Jocks or roller, Rollerball, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it had boss battles and level-ups in this film, so it was very video There game. was some creepy, like, there was, like, a torso fighting part, which I found quite unsettling. <laughs> and I felt a bit muddy about the nature of the protagonist in this, you know, what he was supposed to be working. What which, was his oh, was? Ed- Edo, yeah. Christoph Waltz. I felt fine about him. <laughs> and something we can all reveal here, even though it's not really a bit of a spoiler, actually. It's a structural thing. This movie ends inconclusively. Yes. Um, it doesn't feel like it has a natural end in itself, even though we know as this long-term manga it's going to have a lot of um, sequels and stuff. They're deliberately opening the door for a sequel, especially by dropping in my love, Ed Norton. Hmm. Like, they're doing that on purpose. Just, just And I think it's a, we'll see how this goes and see if we can get the money for another one. So do you give it a yeah now, maybe? <sighs> Look, I can't give it a yeah. I just can't. Mm-hmm. I think there were elements of it that were done well, but I don't think that makes it a good movie. I, I might kick it up a little bit from maybe to a, a very sort of holding on with your cyber fingers. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the side, like holding on the side yeah. of a massive uh, yeah, because the, sky city. Because the special effects were great. I did think most of the actors worked well together. Yeah. It, in spite of being inconclusive, it does actually have a, a fairly uh, straightforward story structure. And I do think the cyborg world building and all of that stuff we've talked about, that was done well. Like I do think that... I enjoyed that element of the, the cyberpunk element, you could say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just can't give it a yeah. I just didn't – I just couldn't – I wouldn't in Heart of Hearts recommend it. Maybe the sequel starring Ed Norton. <laughs> I might. Yeah. But. So Alita Battle Angel, 
close, but I felt like Mortal Engines again. It, it was a bit undercooked in places. Yeah. Mm. All right, that's it for Zero G. Uh, Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. <laughs> and we'll go up with our David Bowie track today, which is inspired by the fact that there were f- zombies on fire in uh, Kingdom, <laughs> which is how f- all these cities ended up in flames in the, in the story, which I thought was a good touch. Uh, so we'll go with Earthlings on fire. <laughs> um, and this is, uh, oh, sorry, it's Law Earthlings on fire, David Bowie from Earthling. And that's it for Zero G. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.